Okay, if you have a Bible, or got your Bible apps, uh, go to Luke 16, if you would. Luke chapter 16, and I'm going to finish today, that's my plan, uh, a series I've been teaching for last, the last couple of months, uh, because again, next week, Resurrection Day, so I want to you know, go a different direction, and then I'll have an announcement for you next week about the following series that takes place after that, and that's going to be good too. I'm already excited about that one, but I can't think about it because I need to stay here. Uh, uh, so I want to finish, even though we're not exhausting the subject, the series called Rich in God, all right? Rich in God. This part is a continuation of the parts before. Uh, I understand again, money is not the main issue in life. God is. Okay. Uh, the love of money, though, is the root of all evil, all kinds of evil. So, because of a statement like that, you know, that's in the scripture, it makes the whole subject like really big. I mean, if ever you would, can use an all inclusive statement like that that says, money is the root of or not money, the, sorry, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's like, yikes, that's a big statement there. So if there is any evil going on in anyone, the love of money is at the root of that? That's a powerful statement. It makes me never want to avoid the subject. I don't ever want to leave this out of our discussion. That would be rude. That would be unkind. Because if people have any kind of evil working in them and in their life, and this is the root cause of all of it, and yet we avoid it because, you know, some people will question your motives and all that kind of stuff, uh, I just think that's not a very kind thing to do. So we recognize the negatives when it comes to uh, comparison, if we were to compare uh, the, the, the spiritual, eternal aspects of, of life versus the wealth of this world. I mean, we understand that this is not even a, a comparison. Not, they're not even close. The things of God are what matter the most more than anything natural. However, the, that doesn't mean that you get access to all the spiritual awesomeness of God by ignoring natural subjects like wealth or riches and those kind of things. They are, I mean, that might sound good when someone might, might think, I just, I just want the Lord. I just want spiritual life. I just want spiritual things. That's all I care about. I don't care about anything natural. I don't care about riches and all that kind of stuff. Well, you sound really spiritual, except you're not. <laughs> what I mean by that is Jesus never made statements like that. It, he didn't separate them and say, ah, you know, it doesn't really matter. He joined them together and says they're kind of interconnected, what you do naturally with your stuff versus what you do spiritually and with eternal matters. Okay, if Jesus taught the connection, I'm going to leave it alone, meaning I'm not going to break it apart and call one important and one unimportant. Everybody with me today? Okay, uh, and so uh, in Luke chapter 16... He's, he's doing that here. Verse 10, 16, 10, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Okay. Now, now 
just take the principle for a moment. That spiritual fact, that spiritual principle applies to many areas in life, right? Uh, don't we see this to be the case if, if, if someone says, I want to make advancement in my career? We would say, especially if you were uh, in a manager, a manager or an employer or something, you would check how are you doing with what you have now? How are you doing in your current role before I think about giving you an advancement, right? Uh, we would do that with all areas in life um, your future is based on what you do today, how you handle what's in your hand today, okay? It's true spiritually. Uh, many preachers, like myself, have an earnest desire to be more effective. I want to see more people saved. I want to get more people healed. I want to see more people. I want to teach at a higher level, more revelation. Well, there, there is a deep desire in me and many preachers that I know that say, I want to see God move more. Okay, it's a noble desire. There's nothing wrong with it. However, one of the best um, methods to get to more is simply this. Be faithful with what you have now. Do the right thing where you are. Use what you've been given in a faithful way, and that sets you up for God to increase you, right? So we see this principle working across the board. Nevertheless, this scripture, this verse that we read in 1610 has context, and the context is money. And here's what he's talking about. When he says, Be, he who is faithful in what is least, you know what, what least is? Least is money. Then, uh, then uh, it, that person will be faithful in much. That doesn't mean much money. Even though that could be true, there's nothing not like that would be a false statement. Faithful with least is wealth, riches, mammon, money. Faithful in much, that's spiritual things. That is eternal truth. That's the true riches of God. And so when a person thinks, I just want spiritual, I want the true riches of God, I don't want to talk about money, you don't realize that your advancement in spiritual matters is conditioned upon your faithful dealing of natural matters. So this is something that every true believer or anyone who wants to make advancement in God, they say, oh, I need to hear this again, or I need more of revelation here. I need to have proper dealings with what has been given me from a financial standpoint. Okay, watch. If someone wants to lift 100 pounds, how many know they're never going to be able to do it if they can't lift 10 pounds? And if someone is going, I just want the much. I want the greater things of God. I want the riches of God's glory in my life. You got to lift 10 pounds first. You got to be able to lift natural things in order to make uh, some of this spiritual advancement. Okay. Let me say this another way. It's hard for us to go very far in God if years into our salvation, we're still tripping over the tithe. We're still trying to uh, figure out a way where we don't, where it's not New Testament. <laughs> we're still trying to we're trying to come up with a scriptural way where we can exclude ourselves from doing that, and yet we're going to make great spiritual advancement. Listen, we're not going to. 
we're putting a lid on our own growth. That's just not how the kingdom of God works. Okay, let me show it to you in another place. All right, mouth of two or three witnesses, every word be established. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Okay, so if you're there, right turn, if, you don't, if you're not sure where it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's right after 2 Corinthians chapter 8. <laughs> I'm here to serve. Just trying to help out. Look, at, look with me at verse 10. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10. It reads, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Okay? Now, what would be the fruit of our righteousness? That's kind of an odd saying. We don't often use that phrase. The fruit of righteousness. Well, think of it this way. If you've been saved, you've been born again, then you have received in you the righteousness of God. Okay, your spirit was made the righteousness of God in Christ. As a result of being made righteous, there should be new exciting things coming out of your life. That's called the fruit of righteousness. The fruit of unrighteousness would be sin, would be evil, would be darkness, would be that kind of stuff. The fruit of righteousness would be all kinds of cool God stuff, all right? In other words, when someone uh, gets saved, their, their new saved spirit begins to manifest their salvation. So it's, salvation is not just something that I have and it's, you can't really put your finger on it. It's so untouchable, un- intangible, it's only revealed at death. No, no, salvation is to be revealed in this life. I get saved, and then this righteousness that I've received as a gift from God starts making fruit. What we seek is to have more of that. The more righteous fruit that comes out of us, the better. What is that? The result of our salvation, but more so, it is a manifestation of maturity. When I grow in God, when I become more spiritually minded and so forth, I start making more spiritual fruit. Yeah? Those who have very little spiritual fruit, what would you call them? You would say they're immature, they're carnal. You, 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 might, you might say they're in a babyhood state of Christianity. But with maturity comes more manifestation of God in your life, of righteous fruit. And so what we see here is that the difference between one who goes far in God and one who does not is their ability to discern between seed and bread. Seed is what we plant. Bread is what we eat. Seed is what is given. Bread is what is used for ourselves. The mature person recognizes the difference. See, the immature person says, it's all bread. 
Everything I have, that's for me to eat. That's for me to use. The mature person starts to say, no, some of this is seed. Some of this is for me to use for my life. Some of it is seed for the kingdom of God to be given, right? And if, if, the, if it is done that way, then we, when we give, God multiplies our gift, okay? He multiplies the seed, and then what does he do? He causes us to bear more righteous fruit or causes us to grow up grow up spiritually. Yeah? So someone says, I'm not interested in that, that money stuff. I don't want to hear about giving and prosperity and all that kind of stuff. Then you don't want to grow in God. You want to remain in the spiritual nursery. Yeah? Hallelujah. Another way to say this is uh, when we hoard, we limit our prosperity and our spiritual development. That's why one of the best things you can tell someone, I mean, in a right spirit, and the right, it's not self-seeking, one of the best things you can tell a believer is, is, uh, is to give. Put God first in your finances. You need to be a giver. You're not being rude to someone. Say, what if they're poor? What if they don't have much? Then they need it even more. If you love them, you'll say, you need to start putting God first and bring your tithes to the Lord. You need to start giving. Well, I don't hardly have anything. I know, that's why you need to do this. He wants to multiply your seed and he wants to take you up spiritually and your faith will grow and you'll, get, grow, you'll grow in spiritual matters. It's just good all around. Hallelujah. And a lot of times, uh, a lot of times believers will exercise faith in their, when they give a seed. They give an offering, okay? Okay. Uh, like this, I'm giving, Lord, this is my seed into the kingdom of God, and I'm believing you for an abundant harvest to come back. That's right. That's scriptural to do that. But can I encourage you along, along in other lines? Do that, and then also say, Lord, I'm giving, and I'm trusting you for increased fruit of righteousness in my life. I'm going to know you more. I'm going to experience you more. I'm going to love is going to come out of me greater than before. I'm going to walk in greater peace, walk in increased joy. Huh? You do this, he increases that fruit. Now, let me show you God's intention, his desire, his plan for our lives. Two verses prior gives us a summation of what God thinks about abundance. Okay, it's uh, again chapter 9 and verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Let me read select words to you again. All grace, always, all sufficiency, all things, abundance, every good work. Get the picture? All, 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 all. <laughs> abundance, abundance, abundance. Every situation, all the time, abundance. That's God's design. It's his plan that we would be functioning this way. What does the Lord think about prosperity? All grace, always, all the time, in every situation. Not just for you, so you have an abundance for every good work. That's the outcome. I'm full and I'm a giver. My needs are met, and I'm helping other people with their needs. My needs met, the gospel goes out. It's not just, it's never selfishly motivated. If we're just trying to build ourselves an empire, we have missed the big picture. 
and our spiritual life is probably in the gutter. But if we get it from God's perspective and it's an abundance, uh, uh, then our spiritual life soars in the middle of this. Amen. I always like to look at, at what the results of something are. You know, if anyone ever criticizes uh, someone else's behavior or practice or how they serve God or their beliefs or something like that, yet, yet what they do is producing a real close walk with God and they're more kind and they're gracious with people and they're giving and they're full of faith. I'm like, I'm going to leave whatever they're doing alone. You know, if someone is that way and I say, and someone says, well, they're praying wrong. Nah, I'm going to go ahead and let them keep praying wrong because that's working for them. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it, when we have this kind of belief and yet it's producing a close walk with God, that's, that's uh, a, a great thing. Um, listen to this same verse now in the Amplified Bible, 9.8. And God is able to make all grace every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Isn't that good? So that's the will. Say, what's the will of God? There it is right there. That's spelled out really plain and clear. God's desire for us. The source of this is generous and joyful giving. Okay? And if I can be generous and joyful while I do it, then it's working for us. How many know none of this works if you're sad? If you're annoyed every time you do it? Well, I want to give to help people. And here you go. Keep it. Well, pastor, I'm going to give in the offering today, but I don't like it. Keep it. It doesn't work until you're happy about it. Spiritual matters are conditioned upon the, the, the state of your being, your state of your heart. None of the things work unless we're excited about them. As a preacher, I not only enjoy speaking to people who look like they're excited, It's easier. It's, it flows out of me better. But there's more to it than that. It works for you when you're excited. If you hear a word from God and you're like, whoa, yeah, come on. And it shines out of your eyeballs. I bet that well, that's working for you. You're praying and you're seeing the result. And the person who's like, I've already heard this. I've been knowing this for a long time. Yeah, it's probably not working for you either, right? You, you, got, a, you got lots of pride because you know stuff, but we're interested in results. How do, how do we activate these blessings in our lives? Here, here, here's what I mean. Uh, it is possible for someone to be positionally, officially, technically blessed but practically struggling. It doesn't seem right, but you know it's true. I could tell you scripturally, anyone here who's already saved, that you are blessed. You are the blessed of the Lord. You are blessed in Christ, period. No one can take it away from you. But sometimes those very same people who are blessed of the Lord can't pay their bills, have debt up to here, yeah? And it's like, okay, you're blessed, but it's not really working for you. And so I always want to ask practical questions. How do we get what it says 
positionally about who we are in Christ to be uh, in our everyday life, the practical outworking of that. The short answer, are you ready for for this? It's called faith. We do everything by faith. It doesn't just happen because it's written. It's happened because we believe what's written. Now, in a little broader explanation of that simple principle, if this is manifest in us by speaking and by action. So, first of all, I need to say about myself what God says about me. I can't be a whiner, complainer, down in the mouth about finances and bills and and everything else. Even if you're down about taxes, you know, I get it. (laughs) But you have to be in faith. So you have to say what the Lord says, okay? He's given me the power to prosper. He blesses the work of my hands. When I sow, I reap an abundant harvest. My God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory. These are the things we say, especially if we're coming up short or we're not seeing the result of our prayers and our our, our efforts. Speak the word of God. Speak the word of God. Speak the word of God over your life. Do that all the time. And the other part of this, I said, is action. It's not just about talking. It's about action. And the action has two components to it. The first one is giving. And the second one is putting our hand to something. Let me, let me give you a, a short uh, mini teaching on each of those, okay? First of all, giving. This begins with the tithe, okay? Many are familiar with the very popular passage from Malachi 3, and it reads this way, verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. So this promise of abundant and overflowing blessing is clearly connected to bringing all the tithes into the storehouse. Now watch. Watch this. He said bringing this blessing, this windows of heaven blessing, is connected to the tithe, not just any giving. I know sometimes people will refer to anytime you give to a church or ministry, they will say, uh, this is my tithe. But they're using it in a religious sense. Tithe is just a number. Tithe is just a percentage. If I put 10 bucks in the offering, that's not a tithe. Because I have more than 100. Right? That's just an offering of some kind. A tithe is a tenth. It's not more than a tenth. It's not less than a tenth. It's always a tenth. It's not the tenth for the rich. And a, it's just a tenth. Right? So the the tithe is the specific mention of this particular blessing. Now, watch. I understand, and some of you are theologians and Bible scholars and all this. I understand there is some debate, some question about whether this verse applies to New Testament, New Covenant believers. 
because some will say that tithing stuff is primarily Old Testament. This is an Old Testament verse, and you could further bring that out, extrapolate to say in the New Testament, in Christ, we're all blessed, period, independent of whether we bring a tithe or not. Everybody with me understand that logic? I actually, in large part, agree with that, that every Christian, every believer in Christ is blessed. I'm not going to call any new covenant believer cursed, even if they don't tithe, even though there's some language in Malachi that uses that, that language of curse. In Christ, we're all blessed. However, everybody say however. <laughs> there is a faith-filled action that is needed to activate these blessings in our lives. And if I can see that God would do this for Old Testament, Old Covenant people, that for them, if they would bring the tithe, the windows of heaven open and blessings come out in abundance. What do I think he would do for New Testament New covenant people who are in Christ. If I bring my tithe, do I get anything less than they got under the Old Testament? Absolutely not. If anything, we get the windows of heaven blessing and more. All right? This is definitely connected to our lives. It is about bringing into manifestation what the Lord has provided for us. Now watch this. If I were to just judge this by observation over decades of teaching this, of encouraging people to put the Lord first in their finances, I can tell you there are just way too many testimonies for me to conclude that doesn't work for new covenant people. Because again and again and again, we see people who make a choice, a faith commitment to God that says, I am going to start bringing my tithe, my first and best to the Lord all the time. And some of them do so with like questions of how they're going to make it. Like I spend 100% plus, 100% then the plastic comes out, right? And now I'm going to give a tenth to the Lord, the first tenth to the Lord, the math doesn't work. And yet, the testimonies consistently over the years, I did this, I committed this to the Lord, I did it, and I got this pay raise, I got this promotion, this money came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, the math doesn't make sense, but I have more money than I've ever had. And all of a sudden, and all kinds of things open up. It's not limited to one method, but it's too coincidental. For me to back up and, 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 and say, oh, no, 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 no. That's Old Testament. That whole tithing in the windows of heaven. Then why is it working for so many new covenant people? Right. That may not be a, the best way to arrive at sound doctrine, but I'm telling you, I've seen it so much, I'm not ignoring this. I'm saying these promises were not just for them, they're for us. Amen. Yeah. And so, in essence, what he's saying here is if you will put God's kingdom first by bringing your tithe into the storehouse, uh, then he'll take care of yours. Here's another way to say it. 
if you put the tithe into the storehouse instead of your house, then he will take care of your house. If you'll take care of his storehouse, he will take care of your house. Yeah? And the storehouse, I believe that would be the, the comparison into our day, a little feedback, would be the new covenant. Uh, excuse me, in the new covenant would be the local church. We come to the storehouse for our supply of spiritual nourishment and so forth, okay? Uh, that's, That's the local church. You take care of God's house, he takes care of your house. Yeah. How much does he take care of it? In abundance. Pour out a blessing we can't even have room enough for. Okay, so that's the giving side. That's the short giving side. Um, Here's the other part. I said, it's what you give and it's what you put your, what you put your hand to. Um, The blessing of the Lord poured out on us is not always directly in cash and checks. All right. Many times, the blessing of the Lord, I'm talking about financial blessing though. I'm not talking peace. The financial blessings of God can come in the form of ideas to do things we never thought of. Ideas that produce financial blessings. It can come uh, through opportunities. Doors open, opportunities that come our way. I I put the Lord first in my life and all of a sudden, I have all these opportunities coming to me. Or it can be, you know, favor shown to you. Earthly favor, favor with people. All these things are made available, favor upon us. It can be even in God enhancing your ability. Remember, power to get wealth. Your ability to succeed in life, your ability to be effective in your career, in your job, in those types of things. All these can be methods or manifestations of the outpouring of God's blessing in your life. What's it tied to? Well, again, it's tied to the tithe, all right? Let me give you another concept, another thing to ponder. If you read the creation account in Genesis chapter 1, you answer the questions. How many days of creation were there? Six days of creation and then one day of of rest, all right? Six days working, one day resting, okay? Now, in our day, what do we do? Five days of work, two days of rest. It started six days of work, one day of rest, but now it's very common, five days of work, two days of rest. I have an idea for you. You ready for it? If you work a five-day career, job, so forth, and you have two days, why not take day six and get creative? Because we're looking, I'm giving, but I'm now ready to put my hand to something. Yeah, I want God to bless my five days and make that take off and go through the roof. What about day six? Say, well, that's the day I play. Well, okay. I'm not giving you a new law. I'm not putting you in some kind of bondage. Maybe there's something that you could do on day six. It might be turning a hobby into a moneymaker. It might be 
educating yourself in a certain field over the next year. And you become an expert in some area, you've got a new skill and all of a sudden it's in demand. And you can do things on your own time or maybe it takes over eventually your other five days. There are, all kinds of things are possible. But maybe day six is you're praying and trusting God to guide you and you're learning skills in different areas. And all of a sudden you've got this second stream of income coming into your life. If first ever dries up, well, you've got something else that may be able to be expanded into full time. Just a way to be, be creative here. I, I think the Lord, uh, He definitely wants you to have an abundance at all times in every situation, too much, and be abundant towards every good work. How is that going to happen? I don't know. It's not the same for everyone. You're different. Your unique skill set, where you are in life, it's different. But none of us should remove our faith in God because I'm retired. Uh, I'm on a fixed income. Uh, my, I'm at the top of my industry. I'm, there's no promotion possibilities. All that is, that might be true from a natural perspective. I'm just saying there's always ways that God's blessings can flow into your life in more abundant and diverse ways. Everybody okay? You think about it, even the, the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, it's weird because it calls it talents. It's actually money. If it were written, Jesus were given that parable, he would, today he would say, he would call the parable of the dollars in our country. Uh, but, so we, we kind of miss the point sometimes. But it's all about investing. And even the guy who was afraid, remember he, the guy who was afraid and buried his money? I was afraid because I didn't want to lose, lose him. He said, you should have at least put it in the bank and got some interest. Yeah. Or maybe in the stock market or something else that would give interest. Yeah. Amen. Okay, one last thing. Up for one last thing? This is for those who are in debt. All right. Uh, if you're in debt, uh, the Lord wants to help you get out of debt. Yeah? He doesn't want you to be slave to the lender. All right. And, uh, and God's merciful. Sometimes people will think, well, I got myself into this, so I just got to work my way out. Why do that? I mean, your father is like God. <laughs> you might have some favor around here. Huh? I mean, when the judge is dad, you feel a little better going to court. <laughs> hey, dad. <laughs> Maybe if you got a good relationship. <laughs> uh, you, so don't just take it all upon yourself. I've got to get myself out. The Lord will help you get out of that mess. He'll give you wisdom and all, all this kind of stuff. But uh, there's a story in the Old Testament of the prophets that were wanting to build themselves a place to stay. And so they were going into the woods and they were cutting down trees. And here's what happened. In it's 2 Kings 6, 5 through 7. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water and he cried out and said, alas, master. Anybody ever say that? Okay. You always say, yeah. Jose, he always says that. Alas, master. He says that to me. No. <laughs> uh, alas, master, for it was what? Borrowed. borrowed. We borrowed the axe. 
And so the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there. And he made the iron, uh, made the iron float. Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. Okay, so here we have a borrowed axe head, which means God got them out of debt. Yeah, because they owed the axe head. And he was a lassing because how was he going to replace the axe head unless an intervention from God came? And it was a miracle from the Lord. And I say, if we have gotten ourselves in debt through oops or bad behavior, whatever happens. Sometimes people have unexpected expenses and all of a sudden they're in debt. They weren't necessarily doing a bunch of wrong things. It doesn't matter though. I'm just saying, I think there's a stick in your life. <laughs> I think if you ask the Lord to, to, to help you get out of that place, he's going to tell you what to throw in there. What do you need to apply to your your sunken axe head. <laughs> what, what do you need to do? I'm saying God's anointing will get in the middle of your stuff and he will cause you to come up out of that thing by his power. It won't solely be, well, I've cut my spending and, uh, you know, increased my savings and I've stopped doing that. I'm not saying don't do that. Wisdom needs to be a part of our lives. I'm saying we can go beyond that. I'm, let me say it this way. I'm not down on or opposed to, I'm thumbs up towards like the Dave Ramsey approach. You know, cutting back expenses and getting out of debt. I'm not against that at all. I'm just saying that plus God. I'm saying God will give you things, uh, things that he doesn't necessarily emphasize, I don't think, so much is the floating ax head. God will make your axe head float. <laughs> yeah? If you'll trust him, if you'll believe him. Yeah. And he'll bring you up, bring you out. So we get to the place where we have all grace abounding towards us. So that we always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for working in us today. Oh, each and every one of us.